Welcome back to Badge of the Bone. I'm Denny. I'm Al. We are your hosts, and yes, it has been a minute, but we're back, Al. Yep, we are here. And are you ready? I'm ready. Let's do it. All right, let's get this thing started. So, uh, it's been a minute. It has been a minute. Yeah. A little bit of uh, real life getting in the way. Yeah. Um, you were on the weather for a little bit? Uh, yeah, I was knocked flat on my ass. And I followed right after that. <laughs> and what was crazy, we hadn't seen each other. And it was a while since we saw each other. It had been, been like a week. So Yeah, I mean... Yeah. It, I was like, how the hell did I get sick? I didn't get it from Alex. We ain't seen each other in a while. I, it, it, yeah. I, I was knocked on my ass with like a fever of 103. And, oh, yeah. And, and you weren't much better. And No. Um, and on top of it, we had, you know, here at this house, we had graduations and weddings and all that shit piling up the weekends. Yeah, and yeah. it was just it was a whole hectic. lot of real life. It really was. You know. It, all I, good except for the illness that sucked ass, but yeah, yeah, that did, that did. You know, when when you're when you're so sick, you can't even enjoy lying there and watching Netflix. <laughs> That's bad. <laughs> <laughs> that is definitely oh, bad. Oh God, yeah. And and then you know, in the meantime, I'm I'm trying to do all the shit to get ready to retire. Yeah, you're like, getting ready retire, to pop smoke. Retire. So yeah. man, they probably think you're just burning up your leave. No, no. Well, they're like, oh, yeah. that that some bitch just aren't burning up that lead. Uh, it was bad. They, they, well, see, they knew I was sick because if if I'm out, like, and I say I'm sick, I, I'm sick. You're sick. Yeah, I, I'm sick. Yeah. Not so, just sick of work. Well, I'm that too. But <laughs> you know. hey, but on the other night, we do have these fancy glasses and ice cubes. We do. Would would you like to tell everybody what this I, is? Because I, I I thought this was awesome. No, these are fucking awesome. These are, I'm so excited about. That. And and that was the other thing. I haven't been able to get on the show to even enjoy these. Yet. So this is the first time I've actually used these. But so my daughter recently got married, and my sister, my brother in law, ended up getting stuck at the airport for hours. Couldn't fly in from Nashville, and they didn't make it. So we didn't get to see them. But they did come in for Mother's Day, and my brother in law. He is. He comes into my my folks' house and he's like, you know, everybody talks about the you know, the bride and the bridesmaids and the mother of the bride and they get this and they get that. Nobody gets anything for the father of the bride. No, you get plenty of things. You get bills. Oh, I got those. You get you get lots of those bills. I did, and but luckily he wasn't thinking bills, so he's like, I saw something, thought you'd appreciate it, and he goes, and we picked it up. So he and my sister handed me this bag, and in it was these. Well, highball glasses. But oh, yeah. But what's great is they have Darth Vader's head etched on them. Oh, oh, but there's more. And there is more. And if you know anything about Al and I, we are, we have a... Ginormous Star Wars nerds. Oh, yes. I mean, let's just, we'll, we'll just... That is what it is. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it, that cannot be overstated. No. Um, no. But, <laughs> not at all. <laughs> it really can't. Um, I mean, it, nobody's acting, you know, we're... You know, of course, this is a podcast, so nobody could actually see my house. <laughs> we'll have to put some pictures. We'll have to put that on a website at Ooh, some point. Oh, boy. It's impressive. Yeah. And if you don't like Star Wars, then you're not going to like it. You're like, what a bunch of nerds. 
But so the glasses are cool as shit, but with it came these little molds to put ice in and it makes a Darth Vader head ice cube. It's it's nerd. Shut the fuck up. It's nerd. It's awesome. I, I love it. And of, and of course, you know, I mean, it was a given that we were drinking while we're doing this. Yes. But, um, now we get to do it with a Darth Vader glass with Vader's head in there. Yeah. Darth Vader ice. ice cubes. It don't get any better. That, that's fantastic. I love it. I love it. I love it. <laughs> so do I. It's just cool as shit. So <laughs> thank you to my brother-in-law, my sister. Awesome. Well done. <laughs> Woohoo! We are enjoying it. And I know they're listening. All right. So, do we want to get on to uh, our episode for tonight? The actual real show? Yes. Yeah. Um, we do have a guest tonight. Yes, we do. And um, we, we've had some technical difficulties getting here. But we're here now. Which has been the Achilles heel of this show. <laughs> they Everybody said, like, podcasting is easy. <laughs> they lied. They either lied. I don't want to say it. So, they lied. That's We're going to go with that. We're going to go with they lied. Yeah. So, do you want to introduce our guest for Yes. Tonight? So, we have Carrie tonight with us. And Carrie is a, a long-time dispatcher in emergency communications and she's worked in some different areas there but definitely got a really different take on you know exposure to trauma and emergency incidents and handling it from that communications aspect and I really think that probably when you listen to this you'll realize some things that we realized that we just didn't understand or even know no when we were going you know, like like walking through this before the show tonight, we we never really think about dispatchers, which is you know kind of shameful. But, it's it, you, you know, know it's like that you do and you don't because it feel like it's it's you do, but it's that kind of second thought, which is right. And I'm just I'm just saying what it is, and I'm guilty as anybody else. We know that it's there, but you really just don't take that extra thought to go. Man, this is really serious for this. is really impactful. It's it's yeah. I mean, it's kind of a matter of perspective. You're like, eh, wait, oh yeah, I never thought yeah. about it like that. So yeah, so, but you know, without further ado, she is here with us. She's actually here live in Badge the Bone headquarters. And Carrie, welcome. Thank you, guys. Excited to be here. Great to have you. It's great to have you here, particularly right here in Badge the Bone headquarters. It's pretty awesome in here. We like it. We do, especially with the Vader head glasses. <laughs> I'm surprised she didn't walk out and be like, these guys. What a bunch of nerds. These nerds. I'm leaving. That's okay. I'm my nerd in my own way, so. And we can appreciate that. Yeah, we, we can. So, um, so you have spent a career dispatching. Do you want to kind of take us through um, where you were working? And, and, and the types of work you were doing? Sure. So I started out back in 2006 for a, I'd say, a decent-sized county um, as a dispatcher. And through the years there, I worked way, my way up through being a training officer, an assistant supervisor, and a quality assurance manager for, the, for that agency. We dealt with all sorts of crazy calls. Um, but it's a pretty busy or a pretty busy county, I would say. Denny, you agree? 
Yes, and I, I'm familiar with that because I worked at the same jurisdiction. So it is busy and has only gotten busier over time. But yes, very busy. So I was there for about 11 years. And then I transferred to a state agency where I worked for two years. And I was provided the opportunity to go to a a county that was closer to where I lived. And I worked there for three years and then decided it was time to hang up my headset. I was done. I couldn't deal with the trauma anymore. So you're not dispatching anymore at all? Correct. Okay, wow. 16 and done. Okay, I definitely can appreciate that. 16 and done. 16 and done. There's no way I was going to make it another 14 so I could retire. So how was it with the with your first locality? Because, I, I, I mean, I didn't work in that locality. I've done some work in that locality, but I live there, so I do know that it is pretty busy. Well, I can tell you, courtesy of the first county I work for, I have been diagnosed with PTSD from the, the shitstorm of calls that we had to listen to, the wonderful treatment from our management and senior leadership we had to deal with, and, you know, some of the officers and firefighters were dicks, too. Yeah, no doubt. We do that sometimes. So do we. Now... When you're there, you know, obviously you had, and we'll go over some of these because I know you've had some significant incidents that have stood out and really stuck with you. But what what is offered for you guys? Do y'all did y'all do any debriefing? Did you do any anything after the fact? Any after you know when you have some of these serious incidents? I mean, and I can think of a whole bunch of them just because from being there. But you know, and I know on the road we tried to do a decent job didn't do as good then but we would have some debriefs or we'd have peer support show up and the you know county docs show up and have some debriefs after some of these incidents did y'all have that in ecc not to the quality that you all had on the road we had one our, our training manager at the time when i was there she's since been promoted she was a big advocate for mental health and caring for the dispatchers and tried to put together a really good peer, <clears throat> excuse me, peer support team. <clears throat> Sorry about that. Um, but unfortunately, some of the participants on the team were chosen by popularity and not trust. Huh. And the management and our senior leadership did not support mental health. They actually told us, if any of these calls are affecting you, that's your problem and there's something wrong with you. That we we shouldn't be impacted by the things that we listen to. That was actually said? <laughs> Jeez. Yes. Wow. And I actually participated in one specific peer review where the incident really fucked with my head. And instead of going through it and trying to process it and figure out what was triggering me, it became a critical review of everything that I did wrong. All right, let wow. me see if I can wrap my head around. I, I, I'm not wrapping my head around that. That's why I got to go back. Um, now I'm already hurting. Um, okay, so while while Denny gets his head screwed on because I, I'm I'm not far behind him, there's there's a number of people that listen to this podcast that are n- not on the job. They're not in public safety. They they don't know what goes on on the ECC side. So. Walk us through, like, are are you doing dispatching as as in you're talking to the officers or you're doing call taking? 
what are you doing and what does each entail? So I can't say it depends on the jurisdiction. The two uh, main county agencies that I worked with, if you were on police radio, you did not have to answer phones. However, any other position that you're working on, you were responsible for answering the phone calls, talking on the radio, managing multiple incidents, multiple units at one time. So there's a chance that you're working a, a fire radio, you're given CPR instructions, then you have to dispatch a working fire that comes out, and you have to do both. You have to be listening to both. You have to manage both, and you can't miss anything because come that Monday morning, morning quarterbacking, they're going to tell you everything you did wrong. So it's safe to assume that anybody that's actually calling into ECC, they are not calling to tell you about the great day they've had, right? No. <laughs> um, I guess, no, they're, they're calling you because they're having what they feel is the worst day of their life. And it's up to us as the dispatchers to, I guess, try to put them at ease until a field personnel can get on scene to address whatever issue they're dealing with. But no, they're, yeah, it's, it's not calling to say, hey, thank you. We love you guys. And, and you're hearing things when somebody's calling in, you're hearing many times whatever the reason for the call, you're hearing that in real time. I have talked to a gentleman and I was the last voice he heard as he shot himself on the phone with me. I have been on the phone with a gentleman who jumped out of his second story window and listened to him plea for his family who was trapped inside the house on fire. I've been on the phone with a lady who was trapped herself inside a house fire and tried to talk her into getting low, trying to get out. She wasn't able to. The house was too full of smoke. She ended up, I ended up losing contact, voice contact with her. The phone was still connected. And when fire got on scene, I was able to direct them back to the where the phone was located. Fortunately, they were able to find her and get her out and she lived. But that one week, I took three working house fires, two involved fatalities, and fortunately, this lady lived. All right, so I'm going to just jump in because I wrote this down so I wouldn't forget it. So with that little bit that you've told us there, those incidents, that's already tough. And you're telling me that from the management perspective, that if one of those incidents were to be bothersome for you or to cause issues or, or just or just have emotional issues with dealing with those, that their position was that is a personal problem and it's your own personal problem. Deal with it yourself. Pretty much, yes. Um, we weren't viewed from the law enforcement side either as an option for debriefs. They didn't think that impacted us. So I know fire law enforcement would do their debriefs after large incidents, after an officer-involved shooting, etc., you know, we're on the one side of the radio and all we hear is shots fired and we have no idea in which direction has anybody been hit. And they don't think about how that impacts you because we care about the people on the other end of the radio. And that was the other, I forgot to mention that, that the other thought is that you're just communications. This shouldn't bother you kind of mindset. Yeah. You're just a dispatcher. You're not out there seeing this. You're, 
you're wow you're just processing this phone call or this radio transmission wow. going to the next one so why would it impact you and those that was something that was actually said maybe not those exact words but yes and 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 just so we're clear i mean this is this is not the first time we've talked and you you don't strike me as somebody who is even remotely fragile. No, not at all. Right. I'm pretty badass if I tell you, if, you know, I say And, so. and I would echo that as well. You know, I, and not that that's a, a negative thing to be fragile per se, but it, you just, you carry yourself very positive, very headstrong, you know, for you to, to come out and say, Hey, you know, this, these things are bothersome. You know, that, that should be a, a, a clue that this stuff is, is no joke. A little scary at first to admit that I had some, I guess, mental health impacts from the job. And I, as I was trying to treat myself, I decided, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to be vocal and I'm going to advocate. I'm going to tell people, Hey, I've started medication to try and help me because someone has to break the stigma. Someone has to open up and say, look, we are people too. You know, y'all, we try to paint the picture of the scene for you guys when you're responding, but all we can do is go off of what the caller's telling us. So when they say somebody just broke into my house, they have a gun, they're attacking my husband, we picture in our heads the worst case scenario. And we're, we're trying to remain calm, paint this picture for you guys, make sure that our voices don't escalate or you hear the nervousness in our voices because that impacts you guys, y'all get nervous, y'all get excited. So, you know, we, we see the worst and we don't actually get closure from what you guys see on the road very often. From a management standpoint, was it, did you get the sense that it was like, oh, well, you know, they, they just want a couple days off to do whatever or. No, I would, I would say. From the management's perspective, it was, well, this didn't impact me, so why should it impact you? And the reality is the calls that we're taking today on a regular basis is not what the management took 20, 30 years before. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, that that's, yeah. Well, you know, I mean, I got to tell you, you know, I, obviously I was with that agency. And, that, and, and to their credit, that agency has made some at least what I think are some very positive changes. Absolutely. They they have. And they're they're taking a lot of good positive steps on um mental and emotional wellness within the agency. A lot of really proactive steps and you know, I will give them, you know, the shout that, you know, they are really getting on the cutting edge of what agencies are doing right now. So kudos to them. You can never do too much, but I do think they are making a strong, concerted effort to be you know, a leader in that front for their agency. No, I 100% agree with that. Um, but that being said, when I was there, yeah, I remember being in a watch commander position and having, you know, one of those really bad calls that I could see the looks on the faces there going, okay, we probably need to have peer support or some sort of debrief over this. And I would send folks that are new you know the fire department usually debriefs after 
every call. They debrief right there at the fire station. And not every call, but every call that might have some some significance to it. So they debrief right there while they're on duty at the station. So I would send them because they would let them participate. And I remember there's a couple that had a couple calls we had, and it affected a lot of officers. And you know the thought was, you know, we need to do a debrief on this because this is gonna this is gonna stick with them. And I could see it on their faces, but you know, and it never. You know, I never made the call, and it's on me. I never made the call on the dispatch going, hey, do we need, did your dispatcher need to come here and meet at this fire station, this substation, whatever, and take part of this? It just didn't, you know, that's on me, and that's a ball drop on my end, and it, that definitely bothers me that, you know, I feel like, I, now I have a feeling that I would have probably been told, no, they're fine, or no, we don't have the manpower to get somebody off the radio. I think I would have been denied having them there, but at least if I was calling and asking, going, hey, you know, they were taking this call. They were getting the information. Can you release them for an hour or so for a debrief? But, you know, it, it didn't. And I think that's probably a lot of those in supervision or in that position. Don't think about that. Don't think about that. Hey, I need to include communications in what we're doing here because they're just as affected by it. No, I, I'm embarrassed to say that same here. I mean, the times that I've been involved in debriefs, dispatch was never mentioned, um, which is, yeah, I guess we're dropping the ball. I think we definitely are dropping the ball with that. Well, Denny, in, in all reality, uh, even like you said, even if you all would have called up, we don't have the staffing. We didn't have the staffing. And yes, you all take this incident and you realize it impacts your people and y'all's theory, which I support, Hey, we can hold the, the, the minor calls, the barking dogs. Yes. And, uh, I only got nine chicken nuggets in my McDonald's meal. Yes. And yes, I took that call. Um, so those calls can hold, but yes. from a dispatch side, we can't hold, we can't put the 911 calls on hold. We can't put the non-emergency calls on hold. We can't tell people, Oh, we're just going to take, you know, 15 minute break so we can take a breather. We have to swallow whatever feeling we have and move on to the next incident. No, and, and I appreciate that. I guess where it catches me is, you know, even though technically you're not the supervisor for, I'm not, I wasn't the supervisor for emergency communications. However, if you're in a watch commander position, I do think you're the supervisor for everybody. I think everybody falls under your umbrella. Right. So the fact that it didn't, it didn't register me that I needed to make the call down there to check and see what we can do to support that end as well. I don't like that. It just, it just, it bothers me that I should have. I just didn't. Um, and I don't, I don't think most probably did. I can only remember one real debrief where we had dispatch involved and that was days later, but it was more of, it was some debrief, but mainly it was a critique of how the incident went, not so much of a debrief. Right. So. And, and, and just to be clear, and, and maybe this is part of the problem. Emergency communications is not treated, <clears throat> excuse me, there's not treated as public safety employment in Virginia. Correct. We're, we're classified as secretaries. Yeah, that's a problem. That's a problem. It, it's, yeah. And, 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 and kudos to you, for pointing that out to 
us Jurassic Jack wagons that that really should have known this all along. Yeah, and it's it's like a, it's like you do, but you don't. Yeah, if that makes sense, I don't know if that even makes sense. But I wish I had done better at it on my end of involving communications with, you know, anything after action that we had. Well, it was ingrained in you all not to to think about dispatch. Dispatch was badge bunnies, you know. So well, ordinarily t- keeping cops out of dispatch and. Yeah, it's it's probably yeah. I mean, there, there there's reasons. There, yeah. That is true, and they did try to drive a wedge between, you know, the road and the dispatch. And there's reasons behind it, but I think Absolutely. they carried it too far. Yes, I think it carried too far. Where now dispatch becomes isolated, as opposed to just having some good strict guidelines that we follow and monitoring them. Mm-hmm. They just drove the. We kind of built that Great Wall of China. In between the two, and then they just become isolated. Yeah, and now I guess we're reaping some unfortunate mm-hmm. consequences from that. So, Carrie, how did you recognize that maybe you're having some issues? Sleep was my my biggest thing. I struggled with sleep. Um, I had nightmares. I was in a relationship with an officer. Um, they helped identify some issues. There were situations where I realized I was constantly talking to people as if they were citizens on the phone instead of people within my life. And I just felt like I was on this dark path. And it turns out I was. Um, In 2017, I actually tried to kill myself. And due to... I guess, divine intervention or whatever you want to call it, I'm still here today, able to tell my story and hopefully save someone else's life by being open about about the impacts that this shit has on people. Do you, do you, are you willing to talk about kind of that moment when you made that decision, what led up to it and how you avoided it? Sure. Um, I was dealing with relationship issues. I hated the job. I was trying, I actually had just transitioned to the state department that I was working with. So I was then had to, having to learn a new job. Um, recently experienced the loss of my father, which we anticipated. He had gone into hospice. And then four months later, um, my brother suddenly passed away. And, you know, I, I'd been in EMS since the late 90s and we're taught through there you know you just got to turn off that emotion dissociate from what's going on and apparently I got really good at that until I didn't and I was going to counselors off and on determined that or they told me I was doing great was making progress of course I am because I'm telling you every single thing that you want to hear I'm not telling you the truth from working on the phone I know I know what you need to hear, how to get to where we need to go, but I wasn't helping myself. And things just got really shitty. And I was in a situation where I determined that things would be better for everybody if I was gone. My current counselor, I joked with with her one day and I was like, you know, I had everything planned out. It was going to be great. My family could deal with the emotions of my loss, but man, they were going to be financially set because I had some great life insurance. 
So, you know, they could buy away their emotions. Go buy something in, in memory of me or something. So I was walking to get a gun to kill myself. And I was probably about a foot and a half or so from reaching it. And my dog, she was about a year old at the time. She's an English Mastiff. She actually knocked me down and laid on top of me until I got some clarity in my head. But I was ready. I had come to terms with everything. I had said goodbye to my ex. And it, it was time. It was good. It was going to be great. I, it sucked that I was going to do it at my house. But, you know, we could sell the house. I didn't, I didn't worry too much about the people who would have to respond. Because I figured it couldn't be too bad. I was in the bathroom. So that's really easy to clean up. But it wasn't about them anymore. It was about me and what was going to be best for me and best for my family. And that was going to be for me to not be here. And when I finally came to with some clarity, I called one of my friends who was an officer for that county. And I told that person what happened. And I said, I, I need you to take me to the hospital. And that's when I went and self-checked myself in and actually got on a better path to where I am today. Wow. That's uh, a tough spot to be in. It's just, trust me, I know. So what what helped you come around? It's, it's actually an interesting situation. Um, I have lost memory of a lot of the time of some of the trauma time that I had gone through and not remembering some of that until it's triggered has really helped get better because as I'm learning what my triggers are, I can then address it because I've learned to cope with emotions and with feelings now through this amazing counselor I have. And I also got some diagnoses. I'm on a medicine regimen, which has helped, but I'm talking and I'm trying to, you know, normalize the fact that mental health is real and that we all are dealing and seeing shit that we shouldn't have to deal with and see. It's the worst of the worst, but unfortunately it's also part of life. So if I talk about it and tell my story, it's strengthening me, but maybe it's protecting someone else. No, that's good. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I think that's important. I hope people clue in on that, that it, from what I'm getting and from what most folks that we talk to, it's almost like it's a real holistic way in which you manage it not just the counseling you've got counseling maybe add some medication there it's your own you know personal way of how you're coping and managing the things that you're doing to help you get over you do you, it's a working function of several things it's not just i'm going to go see a counselor and that counselor is going to fix it and that's a really good point um we had we had talked before I am currently on, I believe, my fourth or fifth counselor. And the first one I went to, within five minutes of being in the session, the man told me, all of your problems stem from your parents and your childhood. Oh, jeez. And I was like, okay, time to go. It's like like straight out of like some bullshit textbook. Right? Yeah. And like I told you, I was able for two of my counselors to tell them what they wanted to hear. And I realized that wasn't working for me. And now with this one, she knows all my deep, dark stories, but you have to, you have to keep 
counselor shopping, I guess, is the way to put it until you find the one you connect with. Yeah, we brought that up before. I think that's real important because not every counselor is going to be that fit. And that was also a common theme that we've heard from others is that I told them what they wanted to hear. I told them what they wanted to hear. So that's not helpful. That's just not helpful at all. But you know what? That that's kind of in our nature. It is. No doubt. It is. You know, because I, I, I had a conversation with somebody recently about that, that, you know, how, how much of this is, you know, real legit. And, and then of course, you know, in our profession, we're battling that, eh, you, you know, suck it up or you, you're, 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 you're weak or you're just, you know, looking for some PTO, you know, our, our, we we don't like to ever admit that something's wrong. Sure, you know we're superhuman. I, I'm not even sure I'd go that far. I I never. That's I, how I, I felt. It's just it, it's just we're at you know, whether it's police, fire, EMS, emergency communications. We're, we we just like to yeah everything's fine. Whatever, keep moving. Well, I think I think it does get ingrained in that it's a tough job. You're going to see some things. You're going to have some things to deal with. You just got to figure out a way to manage it, and you got to tough it out. And you just become naturally you, or you know, and I'm fine. Everything's fine. It's not. Nothing's fine. It's not fine. But you just tell folks that because you don't want to admit that, man. That really bothered me. I didn't sleep, and it's been on my mind all day today. And now. I'm walking into roll call and I'm still thinking about it because it's bothering me. And and everybody's an individual. Yes. So everybody's going to process things differently. You know, so what what bothers you may not bother me and vice versa and but but we've had this conversation before that you know, we all kind of get into this line of work where we expect that yeah, shitty things are going to happen. You are going to see and hear horrible shit. And I think we all, most of us have, have made peace with that, you know, and are okay with that can process that. But at the same time, after a while, the armor starts to chip away. Yeah. I think that's accurate. I think one of the big things as well is, if you fall into a public safety world, it then be- it can easily fully encompass your entire life. So you lose contact with the outside world, the people you were friends with before, um, your high school friends, whatever. And everybody you associate with now is within public safety. So, you know, when they tell you in the academy, you've got to keep your outside life. That is critical because otherwise all you do is live and breathe and talk whatever it is you're going through through work. Yeah, we've we've talked about that too. I mean, it's it becomes your identity, it becomes your sole identity of who you are. It it shouldn't be, it but shouldn't. it happens. It does really, really easily. It does. It does, and it's just a short amount of time before that encompasses everything you are. And you know, I speak to folks still now today that are in law enforcement. Some of them have gotten out, and some of them still struggle with that. That they're out of law enforcement. But they're struggling with that identity issue. Uh, I, I'll I'll be very candid right now and say I'm kind of as I'm looking down the barrel of retirement, I, I'm kind of 
I'm kind of struggling with that myself. No, yeah, I and, mean, it's like, and I didn't. You know, I'm like woohoo, retirement. Yeah. Well, wait just a minute. No, that was <laughs> that was a tough thing for me when I left. Um, and it, I can't say that there still aren't some days that I struggle with that aspect of it. But you know, I, I tell everybody, you, you've got to realize that it is not your identity. It's a it's a job. It's a profession. It, it's a noble job, and it is a noble profession. And it, you do a service to your community by being out there and handling those things other things that other people wouldn't do but it does not define who you are it's not who you are it it, it is it at the end of the day it is just a job and you've got to have other things because you know we all no matter what whether you leave by your own accord or whether you get pushed out or whether you retire we are all leaving that profession at some point oh yeah yeah you know, everybody is. So if that is your sole identity, your sole being, your sole purpose, then it's going to be tough. And it, it just shouldn't be that way. No, but but it, it it is something that is very easy to fall into. It is. So, Carrie, the, um, you had your, your suicide uh, attempt... This is while you're at the first agency, correct? I had been at the state agency for about two and a half months. Okay. You started to work your way back. Then you got back into public safety communications. Correct. Uh, Which was probably one of the worst decisions I ever made in my life. (laughs) Getting back in? Yes. Hey, um, let's have some more of this. Let's take another round. <laughs> I'm very thankful for the opportunities that presented itself through that agency, but getting back into 911 was absolutely horrible mental health-wise for me. So, in light of everything that you had gone through up to that point, how did you even come to that decision? Well, does, it, does it go back to that identity thing we were just talking talking about and just that how hard it is to step away? I was officially going through a divorce. My house was sold. Um, like I said, this county was hiring. It is where I was currently living. And it seemed it seemed like a sign that I was being called there. I had originally applied there back in 2005. Couldn't make it due to political reasons, which we won't get into that. But I was like, oh, well, it's finally my time. So so I applied and I did well. I, I convinced myself, hey, I know I've been out for just two years, but I can do it. I was, and I'm not like patting myself on the back, but I was a pretty decent rock star at the first organization. So I knew I could hang here. And although it was the same job, it was night and day. It sucked having to learn a whole new CAD system. I would chuckle at my coworkers when they were holding like three barking dogs and, you know, motor vehicle accident and, you know, they're freaking out on the radio. And I was like, guys, I, I've had to hold dead bodies before, like not physically, but hold calls of, or, you know, you know, to start to this, uh, shooting just occurred, you know, that, that's a normal night for us where I used to work. Yeah. And, you, and the, the county you... to follow armed robbery. Exactly. <laughs> Um, and the county you went to is is a, uh, a a slower paced locality. Absolutely. 
yeah it was um i thought it was gonna be like a great retirement dispatch job and boy was i wrong um i actually got to the point which is how i knew it was time to go where i did not care whatsoever about the people who were calling i never dropped in my professionalism to them they got the same customer service and quality of service that i would have given my mom had she called but the whole time on the inside i was struggling just with how miserable i was why are you calling for this are you for real and the only thing i truly cared about was the men and women on the other side of the radio getting home so that that kind of messes with your head too when you when you don't care about one of your primary customers that you're serving at the same time that is an understandable coping mechanism i mean yeah just detaching yourself yeah i mean you 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 would by no means be the first person to do that right no i think a lot of us do that i think that's what's hard for people outside of the profession to hear from an officer or firefighter or or what have you a dispatcher and hear them talk about a brutal scene where it seems like it doesn't affect them. It may, but they just to not show it. It's kind of like, well, geez, how can that not, how can you be so stone cold about something like that? And it's just that that's the detachment. Or, or we go the other way, you know, like, well, how can you make a joke about that? (laughs) We used to get those complaints all the time. You you have the media out there and they see, you know, you're staying at at a double homicide or a triple homicide and there's, two officers out there and they're standing by crime to take and they're laughing like they're talking about what they saw on Saturday night live. And like, that's just so unprofessional. And a a survival mechanism is we can fucking make a joke out of anything. Oh, anything. No doubt. Anything. There is nothing off, off, off limits. And the more twisted, the better. Exactly. Oh, that is so true. (laughs) So true. In fact, you get concerned when your coworkers aren't cracking jokes over something. You're like, oh, oh man, is something really wrong with you? Right. Yeah. That's that's how ass backwards that is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, to me, like when I, I know somebody messed up. Well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, but but if somebody's not doing that, then I'm like, ooh, should I be worried? Right. Is there? Yeah. Are they really actually having some issues? Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, it's it's so hard to decipher that because I know for me when, you know, when I was going through a lot and when I was just way, way down, you would not know. You would not know. And I think if you talk to a lot of people during time frames when things were going on, they wouldn't know. Because I'm smiling, joking, laughing. I am having a ball. But that's what I'm presenting. But on the back end or when I got home, when I left, I'm just destroyed absolutely 100 percent. that rings very familiar yeah unfortunately right and actually we would look at the people who didn't have the sense of humor and go "Mm, you're not gonna make it you should go ahead and quit right yeah that you're soft you're not gonna make it um man but you know i do want to come back to we talked about how carrie how you got better and things that you did and and the counselor being a big one and having to go through several counselors and in then you have some medication that's helping you. And I think that's important because people are sometimes so against any kind of medication. You know, that's something to, to look at. Those are things that can be helpful. You know, it could be short-term or long-term. But you're also talked about how you talking about 
your experience is helpful. Is that is that that accurate? Yes, one hundred percent. And I I think that's important because it's again it's back to that. Well, someone's not just going to give me prescribe me something. I'm going to take that, and everything's going to be roses. There, you know, there's more to it than that. And I've noticed a lot of folks that have been through a lot of shit and had some, you know, emotional stress and issues that, that one of the things that has helped them is talking about what they went through in the hopes that, you know, someone else hears it and maybe they don't have to go through it as bad as I do, or they don't have to get as far down as I did. And I think that's important. And I think you told us that you are, are you volunteering with an agency? Is there an agency? Is there a group that you're doing some work with? Um, I'm actually with a group called Reboot and they offer programs for, combat veterans, first responders, as well as civilian. And it's a program that helps you basically address and learn to cope with your your trauma that you faced in life or as well as through first responder world or combat veteran world. And it is loosely faith-based, but they don't shove God down and the Bible down your throat. Sure. But they make it a part of, you know, you have to have faith in something. And it is an I incredible agree. program. I did the first responder first, and it's a 12-week program. You get a booklet, you have instructors, and in order to lead the class, you have to have completed that class, and you have to be a first responder to teach the first responder. You have to be a combat vet to teach combat vet, and then... So know. so this is, this is peer support, peer-based? Yes. Yeah, I would say so. Now, do, do you lead classes? I have. I originally took the first responder and then in the fall, I took it last spring. And then in the fall of last year, I helped teach first responder and I took the civilian trauma this, I guess, late winter, spring. I graduate uh, next weekend, I believe, is our graduation. And that one, the civilian trauma was actually a hard class for me. Um because I was sitting there and, and it was like being in dispatch listening to these people talk. And one thing that's big on in Reboot is confidentiality. So I can't speak to their their stories, their experiences. But, sure. but for mine, it actually helped me understand why some of the citizens, oh, excuse me, I can't call them citizens, uh, customers, um, why some of the customers... <laughs> You can, it, it's a safe space here. You can say citizens. Thank you. <laughs> um, uh, why some of the citizens stayed in those relationships, kept going back to the man or woman who was belittling them, assaulting them, verbally, mentally, whatever. It, it gave me a different perspective. Um, the civilian drama world is very uncomfortable. So I appreciate going through it i probably would not teach that one because i associate more with the first responders but it was a good experience to go through and humanize the people on the other side of the phone so you so you're spending a pretty good amount of time with this yes um once a week for usually two two and a half hours now do you think you participating with this even when you're leading a class and you're helping others, is it also helping you on the other side too? Absolutely. I, as Huge. a leader, I get just as much out of it, if not more than the people sitting on the other side. Um, and that might come from the fact that I've been through the class, 
So, you know, I, I know it's coming. I know what's been said in the past, but you know, when that, that other person comes in with their different perspective, it's, it's eye opening for me. So it, I highly recommend the, the course for anyone. And, you know, it, it has been huge life changing for several of the people that have been in my classes. And I'm glad you said that because, you know, at, at, as we're doing this podcast, I like to think that that has been a consistent theme over all the, the, the episodes we've done thus far, all the folks that have come on thus far that have somehow managed to turn their negative experience into hopefully a positive experience. For Every single else. one of them. Every, all of them. Rick. Nick, Nick, Chris, yeah. Now, Carrie, everyone has has resonated that that they've taken the negative, but they were able to do some some good things with it. And uh, I would put that out there for anybody out there that's a first responder, including dispatch at ECC. You're part of it too. Yeah. If you have gone through some shit, if you have found yourself in that dark place, and particularly if you found your way out. Talk about it. Tell your story. Come on here and talk about it. Go on another podcast and talk about it. Go with you're one of these groups that that help other first responders and just lay it out there. You will find that it is therapeutic for yourself. It's it's almost you know it kind of gets that off your back. It's up <laughs> you know it lifts that weight off you to just own I, it and put it out there. And, I, I mean, let's be honest. Why are you? you and I even sitting here in front of microphones. Well, right. That's, and that's exactly why. I mean, you're an outlet for us. Hopefully. <laughs> or um, ourselves, chicken or the egg. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Good point. Shit. I but don't I mean, know at this point, but you know, I mean, I think that's, a, I, I know there's a ton of stories out there. I know there's a ton of folks out that have been through some shit and a lot have made it out. You know, and Chris told that story about the officer that jumps down in the hole last episode. I love that story. Oh yeah, I, I love that story, and I, you know, I kind of repeat it again. I won't say it as eloquent as he did, but you know, the officer's down at the bottom of that hole, can't find a way out in a dark place, and and what he had uh, a pastor or a priest come by. Hey, can you help me? Uh, well, I can't help you, but I can pray for you. I can put you on a prayer list and all, all that stuff. And then he had what what a doctor came by. I think it's something to that effect. And hey, can you help me? well, I can prescribe something for you and, and, and this and that. And then another officer comes up and jumps in the hole with him. And he's like, what the fuck, man? Now we're both in here. What the hell did you do that for? Yeah, but I know the way out. Yep. He said, I've been here and I know the way out. Well, Denny, I actually was going to bring that up to you because that actually really resonated with my with me when I was listening because I hit up all your podcasts now. Thank we you. We appreciate it. it. And I advertise for you all as much as I can. And we appreciate that. But um, one thing that I think the agencies, whether it be police, fire, EMS, uh, mental health agencies, one place they're lacking is actually bringing in the people who've been there to talk to the people. And I think Chris hit on that last week. He did. And yep. like one of the big things that I try to tell people from, you know, whatever walk of the world that they're in, if you know someone who is considering suicide, don't ever look at them and say, that's not the answer. And, you know, my mom said, well, why do you say that's not the answer? And I said, well, mom, you don't know what the question is. 
So you don't know what I, what question brought me to the decision that suicide might be the best answer. That is... I appreciate that answer. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. I I appreciate that answer. That it that is a that is a very good perspective. So my focus is more on all right, so what what got us to this? What questions are we asking? Okay, so suicide, I'm going to leave that on the table for you, but we're going to talk about some better options in hopes that you make the decision because it has to be you that makes the decision that you are going to live. Because I, when my situation, once my dog got off of me, I could have gotten up and, you know, finished the job. But I had to make that conscious decision to choose to live. And the, if I can, the, the suicide thing here, and I, I'm just going to, this is strictly my opinion, my perspective. It, it, it's not about... I don't I don't think it's about ending pain for ourselves. It's well, I'm I'm a problem. I'm in the way. I'm causing other people pain or discomfort. So th- that's why I'm opting for this. It it's not a it, it you you we're in our own brains doing it for the betterment of others, not to end our own pain. If that makes any sense. Again, that's just my perspective, my thought on it. No, you hit the nail on the head. Um, you really did. Absolutely. And man, just, just hearing you, I don't even like to think about that because that, that hit the nail on the head, man. It really did. Yeah. For what it's worth. But yeah, I think people are afraid to talk about suicide because it's that scary topic. Yeah. And one thing they taught us in in dispatch is, and so many new dispatchers are scared to say, how do you want to hurt yourself? Or do you have a plan? And they're like, oh, I'm going to give somebody an idea. No, you're not. Rest assured, if somebody's calling you, they probably already have a plan. Oh, they've already figured that Uh, out. They've gone through some test trials probably, you know, to see what's going to work. So you can't implant that decision into them. It's your job to try and give them other options until the proper help gets on scene. Yeah, you can't just defuse a bomb that has already gone off. You know, that's already gone off. And you need to talk about it. You just need to confront it. But I think a lot of folks are afraid to to mention it. I don't want to put that thought. I don't want them th- thinking about that. I don't want it in their mind. I'm sorry, but it's already there. It is, or you cannot extract that from their mind. It's already there. It's time to confront it. And, you know, looking at our youth, they, they see suicide everywhere. And, you know, we haven't, we, we've raised a generation and I, although I'm not actually a parent, I have helped raise my nieces and nephew. We have taught them not to feel, not to know how to cope, not to process what you're, you're going through. You just, you want that quick instant gratification. And so they make this life ending decision on something that if they would have given it five more minutes, probably would have been all better. And really we just, my generation, even, I don't feel like we were taught how to cope. I don't think mine either, really. 
I, I mean, mean, we're we're uh, Gen Xers, and it was you know rub some dirt on it, and keep going, right? <laughs> Just drink from the hose and keep going, right? <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, it was all it was a whole lot of. Yeah, I you that's just just what you did. Be seen, don't be heard. Mm-hmm. Eh, not not as much that, but just you know, suck it up, Buttercup. Yeah, you know, I mean, and that's well, that's how the police training was too. We I think we mentioned it the very first one. I I can't even remember what the training was, other than it's, hey, you know, y'all are gonna probably see some really bad stuff. You're gonna see some horrible things. You're gonna see some things that people shouldn't have to deal with. You're gonna catch everybody at their worst day. You're gonna see the worst of the worst of the worst. And if it bothers you, you know, you probably need to go talk to somebody about it. But otherwise, it's the job you signed up for. So you need to be prepared for that. And um, all right. So shit. I, I mean, I think back to my basic academy. I don't even think I got that. I think that's all they gave us. That's pretty much, you know, in, you know, if it bothers you, you know, this is the job you signed up for. All right. Let's talk about motor vehicle code. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that. that yeah, that was it. That was it. Yeah. You know, I don't think they're getting much of it now. Uh, I think it depends where. I know Chesterfield's doing it. I, I know they're doing in the academy. They're talking about it, and I know they were big on um, what is that? My, I'm drawing a blank. Now. I can't even think of the book out, the emotional wellness book that they were handing out, or I think they were giving in the academy now. And I, man, I can't even think of the guys. Down, I have to Google it now. I read it, and it's been so long. Hmm. Emotional wellness for law enforcement. I think that's it. Somebody listens is hollering his name right now, hollering at the radio. It's that. It's that. <laughs> and Damn I know, it. and I, I forgot. I'm, I'm sorry. My, my memory freaking sucks. I'm, that happens with age. I'm too busy focused on the Vader head ice cube. <laughs> well, I would like to see agencies, and some are doing it, but have more in-service training when it comes to to the mental health stuff, and not just for the citizens out in the field but for you guys as well it it would be nice as somebody who works extensively on the training and headquarters side you're always trying to like cram whatever in dr gilmartin that's it there it is emotional survival for law enforcement sorry i've read it yes and it's pretty decent but sorry i didn't mean to interrupt but i saw it and i had to yell it out that's it i'll forget it again that's it I am, you know, everybody's so pushed for time and staffing is so shitty that you're lucky to cram in what you cram in. And I, I hate to say that, you know, but when command staffs are sitting there, they're going, well, we need that. We need that. That's essential. And that's kind of essential. And this is not essential. Yeah. You, you got to invest in your people if you want to keep them and keep them trained, you know, law enforcement right now has a huge target on their back because, you know, a fair few has ruined the reputation for the masses. And yeah. Well, I I do think thankfully there are some agencies that are realizing that if you do not make this a priority, the emotional wellness, the emotional health of your agency, a priority then you are not going to have outstanding officers going into the public and serving. You're not going to have that. And that's why you have some, and we've talked about that, where oh, we yeah. have some of these incidents where they go off the rails and it just goes to shit. 
But it starts with having solid emotional wellness for your officers if you're going to put quality people out there to do that job, to do that difficult job. And I think some agencies are starting to realize that, that, man, we got to get this is it's going to start here. Well, whether we're talking about compensation, whether we're talking about training or whether we're talking about, in this case, uh, wellness, you know, it is the agencies that say we're going to view our personnel as resources, not liabilities, that are going to be the ones that are going to really succeed mm-hmm. in this climate. Right. And valuable resource, not just a boot on the ground. Right. Uh, because we can always get a boot on the ground. And we do all the time. And we it, can it, always get and it some up- crazy mope. To strap on a gun belt and a badge and go out there and do that. Exactly right. And that's the exact crazy move that probably shouldn't be strapping on a gun belt and running out there. So I, I do think there are agencies that are seeing that. Unfortunately, I think those agencies are a small fraction of the overall profession. I that's hope realizing that I, I hope that we're getting more. I, I think we're getting more. I want to believe we're getting more, but there's still a lot. There's still a lot of work to be done on well, that front. As they consider your piece of paper that you got from a college, that you know, thirty, fifty, seventy-five thousand dollar piece of paper, they're using that for a standard to bring in somebody to to work the road. When you know, maybe college wasn't for you, but you have these great communication skills where you could, you know, talk a person into a paper bag. You're going to be a better candidate than that person who has a piece of paper and said, "Hey, I can test well." It did. It sounds like she was speaking directly to my agency. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's a, a good, valid point, and I'm not trying to knock folks that have their degree. I mean, I, I went back to school. Um, I didn't have it when I got into law enforcement. I went back later. But, you know, I think there's there's some positives to having that education and, and gutting that out. But to make that like your deciding fact that if you hold that, that's your golden ticket. That shouldn't be a golden ticket. It should be something you should evaluate. Yes. Sure. If you have that and then you have other things along with it, great, great candidate. But if that's all you have, that's the only thing you're waving is your golden ticket that you got from whatever university. That's good a bad, luck. A, a bad idea. Yeah. You know, that's a bad idea. I, I think each candidate, I think they should do a little better job of really evaluating fully each candidate not just education oh yeah you know focus on everything what's it just it should be an encompassing review of each individual and what they bring and what they can offer and and that goes for dispatch as well um oh yeah absolutely there were times that we brought in candidates and i'm not age bashing or anything here but if you're bringing in that's okay we do oh well, you're old, and you just put your glasses on, so... Wow. Denny, can't, wow. can't you see that font from where you are? Wow. Can I see the font? The airplane wow. flying over can see the font. The pilot is reading phones, Alan's phone right now. I, I, I feel attacked. <laughs> Good. I, I feel attacked. But when, you know, they would bring in a 55, 65-year-old person to come try and work a communications job... We see people who've been in the system for 25 years and they're like late 40s and they're struggling to keep up with the technical commands of the position. And you're going to bring in someone who bagged at a grocery store 
to come work in dispatch and you think they're going to be able to keep up. But I mean, they checked all the little boxes on that application. So you can speak and you know how to answer a phone. You're hired. Exactly. You can type 32 words a minute. We'll take you. Well, you know, you're going to fail if you can only type 32 words a minute. Yeah, you wouldn't make it. I I can type more than 32 (laughs) words a minute. Have you actually timed yourself? No. But is it correct? Then how do you... Yes, it is. Is it readable? I mean, (laughs) typing 32 words of gibberish doesn't count, Alan. We... (laughs) It's a braille. (laughs) Yes, I typed this in 32 minutes. It says... (laughs) Yeah, gibberish. (laughs) Man, fuck (laughs) y'all. I write for a living. And it's readable. (laughs) And legible. Do you I have believe a, you. Do you I have believe a dispatcher you. check it for you? No. <laughs> I didn't either because I didn't want to know all the mistakes I had. Well, they're secretaries. That's the only reason I'm asking. Uh, wow. Wow. There's, there's a lot of shit flying back and forth right now. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. Um, Denny, one one more thing I wanted to throw out there. You yeah. mentioned before, or it actually might have been Al, Um where people started throwing the mental health words around and it might be in search for PTO. I know a lot of yep. um, public safety agencies offer mental health days for their staff uh, as a dispatch. Cause we're not public safety. You don't get a mental health day. So um, one reason that dispatchers are 911 dispatchers across the country um, are trying to fight to be classified as public safety is some of those benefits that, you all in public safety get the benefit of. Oh, all the line of duty benefits. Um, yeah. Well, absolutely. you all can be diagnosed with PTSD and get disability for a little bit or long term, depending on the, the impacts of it. And dispatchers as secretaries, they, they can't get PTSD. All they're doing is typing words. Now, aren't they looking at making that change in Virginia? Yeah, they're they're trying. Um Nothing came out of this general assembly session. I mean, Nothing. That, that definitely needs to be changed. That's not good. They've been fighting this for the I know the 16 years I've been in and I couldn't tell you how long before that. I'm going to take my glasses off so I'm not judged anymore. And you don't need to see anything. Wow. <laughs> how many fingers am I holding up? I love you. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Mhm. 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 It's all the close-up stuff. It happens when you stare at a computer screen and type a lot. <laughs> I believe you can type your 32 words a minute. Wow. Well, hopefully <sighs> legislation comes along and makes that change. I think that would be a huge change, but that's really disappointing that dispatchers don't have the same resources. It really, it's, just, it's just not... That's just messed up. Well, you know, like, like, think about it. So you go down into the city, and you may know people, Gary, that that work there for the uh, contract EMS service mm-hmm. that services city. Holy shit! What they pay those people? Shit for everything that they got to put up with. Yeah, that uh, I don't know why they do it. Yeah, peanuts. Yep, peanuts, and yep. they run their own ECC. Oh, do they? I didn't know. Oh, that. yeah. They do. EMS goes to their ECC. Fire and law enforcement calls go to the cities. Yep. You ring 911 in the city for, for an EMS call, it bounces directly to them, to their employees. So I, I, I only imagine 
how they how they deal, what they're dealing with. Well, we'll have to kind of keep an eye on things and see if that comes back around for the General Assembly to hopefully get some progress on that. And I know they're working on some other things, too, with mental health and public safety. But the question is, does it involve dispatch? I know they're working on... I, I don't even know that there was there was at least one bill this session. Is Am I right, Carrie? Uh, yes, I believe. I think there was, was the one, one bill yeah. this session. I don't even know that it got out of committee. Yeah, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me because again, it involves money and no. I mean, any any anything first responders exactly anything that is a public safety uh, benefit that then you end up with both political parties going eh, no. Yeah, we'll pass on that. Yeah, but we'll raise our income. Oh, of course. Right. Well, Carrie, man, I really do appreciate you coming on. Yeah. Well, thank you guys for having me. It yeah, was... even if you're throwing shade at me. Yeah, that's you know, fine. It's, <laughs> it's, it's okay. okay. But I appreciate being able, like I said, to share my story, and hopefully it resonates with somebody. And um, if you ever, anybody listening ever needs somebody to talk to, my phone is on pretty much 24-7. I will share my information with Denny, and if, if any dispatchers, EMS, whatever, want to reach out, I'm here. Do you want to put in a, a, a plug for your uh, peer support organization? Talking about Reboot? Yep. Reboot. Um, I, I'm going to get the website real quick, so hold on one second. So if you could stall for me. We can. Um, but I, th- I think <laughs> one of the takeaways here, we definitely need to remember that Emergency communications dispatch is a huge part of first responders. Well, we, I'm we glad. couldn't do what we do. No, we couldn't them. do any of it. And I'm glad that we had had you on tonight, Carrie, because, you know, we talk about badge to the bone not being, we were heavily focused on law enforcement, no doubt, because that's, you know, where Al and I, our experience lies. But we have, you know, EMS and fire experience as well. So, you know, all first responders and everything affecting first responders is all part of badge to the bone which includes ECC and dispatch. And that's why I think it's so great that we had you on to have that perspective of first responders. Well, absolutely. And again, thank you. Um, reboot recovery.com, excuse me, my period reboot recovery.com. Once you get into the class, but reboot recovery.com is where you can go. You can sign up for any class that's in your area there. These classes are offered all across the state or the state and the country. If you're interested in starting a program in your locality, reach out to my reboot or the reboot people on the website. They'll help you get connected with a leader so you can get the program started. And I want to throw out one good thing. The current agency I work with right now, we're working hard to push a provider mental health program. I thank my boss for that because she is a big advocate and I'm looking forward to helping her with that. Excellent. That's great to hear. RebootRecovery.com, and we will work on getting that on the website. I know we need to make some updates to the website because we've got some stuff from Chris Scow and whether we still have to get up there. So yeah, we'll get it up on uh, the uh, Facebook page, old book face. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, we'll definitely get those things up. Just be patient with us. We've got all kinds of shit going on as always, so we're working as fast <laughs> as we can. Um, but definitely, we appreciate it. All right, D. That was that was really good. That was that was. I'm I'm glad we had her on. Yeah, right. I, I'm 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 
really thankful for Carrie taking the time to to come here after all the technical difficulties, everything we went oh through. But you know, we 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 got it done. We did. We got it done, and I think a lot of a lot of people listening that are in the first responder community will probably have some of the same thoughts that we did. They really just didn't give serious thought to how those things affect the folks on the other end of that radio and the other folks on the other end of those phone calls. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and you know, before we go, because we had a gap, I do want to acknowledge that uh, during that time we had National Law Enforcement Officers Memorial Week. We did. Those of you that have never been to the memorial in D.C. absolutely need to go. Um, I took my son up there back in the early part of the spring trying to get him to understand he's only 10 sure yeah um but it's a it's a very special place if you haven't had a chance to go you definitely need to yeah i i agree it's we used to go yeah yeah when we we used used to go go all the time every year it's been a while since we've been and it's high time we get back you know I, i think it is i think we need to get up there with some badge to the bone gear and um shake hands and kiss babies kiss, and so forth do some yeah, that's kind of weird shaking babies and kissing hands <laughs> <laughs> but we also had this past week too we had uh national ems week we did as well very and, good and yep. uh, i think that is very important to acknowledge i we both have dear friends that were in that are still in that i came from ems prior to getting into law enforcement you yep. came from fire yep yep so um we want to acknowledge all of you in the EMS community. Thank you for everything that you do, uh, because it is a thankless, extremely difficult job. No doubt. You know, and tomorrow is Memorial Day. So, yes. you know, for all our military folks that are serving or have served, thank you for your service. And it's important to remember all of those, because it's really what Memorial Day is about, right. is the- those that that never returned home. That's right. The ones that didn't make it back home made the ultimate sacrifice that you know, gave their lives for our freedoms. And I hope, you know, with everybody on the Memorial Day, everybody wants to cook out and have a great time, and that's that's fine. But I hope everybody takes a moment to remember and honor those that made that sacrifice so we can have those freedoms. Right. And um, I will I'll be going back to Normandy this, this summer. Really? I, I, I went back in... Uh, about 2005 and for those that have never had the opportunity to stand in the american cemetery over omaha beach if if you if if you're not moved to tears standing in the middle of that with all of those white crosses i don't know who you are that is definitely on my bucket list to go see that greatest generation ever for this country right and and those that have represented us and, and paid the ultimate price, whether it was that generation or very recently. Yep. yep. Um, we thank you. We remember you. We honor your sacrifice. Absolutely. Absolutely, my friend. But, Al, I think that is going to wrap us up for this episode of Badge of the Bone. It does. I think it's a good one, man. You know, I think they're all good, but I'm biased. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Hey, if you want to reach out to us, let us know how you're doing. You can reach us at 
wearebadgetothebone at gmail.com. Wearebadgetothebone at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook at Badge to the Bone. Outstanding. Also, don't forget, they, we still have you know hoodies and T-shirts and all kinds of stuff, and we've had some folks buy them. They really like them, so I think the logo is cool. But again, I'm biased. But you know, check it out. Get some swag. Yeah, absolutely. But you know what? For all our first responders out there, until then, make sure to be safe and be well. We'll see you again soon. Take care.